Warning! This episode contains foul language, spoilers for the movie Lights Out, and a really inappropriate description of Sonic the Hedgehog. to Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week we sit down, usually with one of our friends, and chat about something weird. From ghosts to witches, cults to broken mirrors, and monsters to strange lights in the sky. My name is Ashley and this is my co-host Lauren. Hey weirdos. And today we're going to be returning to our conversation from episode 2 and talking more about Aliens! Guess who's back? Back again. Joe is back. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Guess Hi, who's Joe. back? Guess who's back? <laughs> Guess who's... What's up, everybody? Hello. Hey. Joe's back. Handsome Joe's here. Oh my god, you have a huge plant the room. in your house. Oh, I now. did. Yeah, I made that. Anyway, hey, Joe. Um, hi, Joe. Hi. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Thanks um, for having me back. Thanks for coming. Out from the bedroom and into the living room. <laughs> it's very exciting to be, to be getting the call the up to the big again. leagues. Yeah, <laughs> going from mysterious sound effects from bedroom. Yeah, to I will. I will not be making noise in the background or interrupting uh, the recording of the episode because I am a part of this episode. <laughs> Yay. You can be my, as loud as my, you want. My entire the whole episode will be an interruption. Yes. Yes. We're excellent. fine with that. Good. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> Great. Glad we're on the same page. <laughs> Um, I'm, 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 so if you haven't listened to episode two, you probably don't need to, but you should go back and, um, t- no, you do. It's a really good episode. It it's one of my really favorite good. episodes. But I'm saying, like, if you don't have time, you only have time to listen to this one episode today and you're set on it, you've downloaded it, that's this, still okay. This, this, listening to listen this to episode it. first isn't like... It's not like watching Terminator Two for and then watching yeah. the Terminator for the first time. Yeah, like, I mean, you don't, like you don't, what's going on? You don't Why are they need, so scared of him? Yeah, yeah we, this we're isn't not, a sequel. This which, is just this is just a continuous. This is just a, a revisiting. It's basically, I don't know if you remember, Lauren. We ended the episode, and I was like, and we were talking about all the stuff we didn't get to talk about because we had right. talked for like an hour and thirty minutes, and we didn't get to cover this and didn't get to cover yeah. that. And I was like, we didn't get to talk about crop circles, and you choked on your own spit. <laughs> You were so excited. You were like, wait, <laughs> wait, crop circles. <laughs> no, it's very um, true. Anyway, so before. basically we, there was a lot of stuff we didn't get to cover in episode two and we just knew we were going to come back to this and this is a great week for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree. Agreed. Joe agrees. Alien 100%. Before we even go into our news stories, there's a couple of things that I wanted to chat about. One, Joe and I watched Lights Out last night. Sure did. <laughs> Joe had never seen the short or the movie. I had never seen the movie, but I had seen the short. So I showed him the short, and he was genuinely um, spooked. The short is horribly terrifying, but you all should watch it if you haven't. It's like two minutes long. It's like two minutes and 30 seconds long. I'll put it on our Facebook page. It is so scary. Um, The movie was scary, I would say. Very. 
Very scary, it's but super wasn't, spooky. wasn't wasn't necessarily good in the moments when they weren't scaring you. Yeah. But in the moments where they're scaring you, very scary. Very scary. The um, storyline isn't story crazy yeah. strong. Okay, the, here's the thing. I was telling <laughs> Lauren earlier. I was like, I don't need to know who the ghost is, and I especially don't need to know who this particular ghost is because the backstory of this ghost, spoilers, really quickly, is so fucking bonkers. It's like. She was a little girl in a psych ward who could get into your mind, kind of like Sumara in uh-huh. the ring. Um, and then she got into the mind of another little girl and like made her think they were friends. Oh, and also she's allergic to light. Mm-hmm. And she and so the doctors do an experiment on her, but it kills her, makes her into dust. But I guess she comes back as a ghost who's still allergic to light. It was just like... It was like they had three different origin stories and they were like, fuck it, let's just put them all together. Yeah. Let's just mosh these together yeah. and see what happens. I like all of them. I'm, I'm, let's I'm, use sick them all. Of, I'm sick of this. Let's just get to scaring people. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever you got, it's in the script. And Ashley and I were both saying that little demon ghost that only comes out in the dark didn't really need a backstory. I don't story. need to know anything about it. We were her. terrified enough of this thing that just appears in the dark, yeah. and I don't need to know why it's afraid of light or why no. it doesn't come into the light, because it is horrifying enough to just say, oh, it only comes to me in the dark, and yeah. I need to get to a light and switch also, as soon as possible. And also, it was very cool seeing... I, I really enjoyed the idea that the mom talked to it and, like, knew that it was there. Like, that yeah. was really creepy. Because sure. to me, it was like the kids... It was it was it was like a throwback to old you know Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. to old uh, Wes Craven where it's like you can't trust your parents. Right. So I liked that idea, but then the backstory was just like, okay, it was too much. okay. You could tell they just saw this terrifying short that was only two minutes long, and they thought, how can we stretch this out how as long as possible in the weirdest way? Yeah. But um, anyway, so you should watch it. Uh, you it well, now you don't have to. Oh, yeah, you don't have to now. We just told you everything. <laughs> Sorry, about <laughs> Sorry about it. I said spoilers. You did say spoilers. I did say spoilers. I'll put it in the... Anyways, um, so we had to sleep with a... Nightlight. Nightlight. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a crystal, salt lamp. All right. It's not bad. That's but okay. We definitely That's an acceptable on, nightlight. On purpose. Oh, my gosh, of course. Um. Also, one thing I wanted to bring up, Joe. Yes. You saw your first ghost. Uh, yes, I did. Could you, like, Would you to like to tell us about tell it? Lauren about it? At I, I, I mean, you're kind of you're kind of springing this on me. I here. did I, on purpose. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's not like you know we live together and you could have just told me <laughs> at any point before now that you were. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I'll make I'll make it as brief as possible. I was uh, sitting on the couch, same couch that we're sitting on right now, and I was uh, working. I was uh, writing an article. And I was home alone, and uh, clear as day, in, in glancing back and forth from my lap where I had my notes to the computer screen, uh, clear as day out of the uh, my peripheral vision, out of my left eye, I saw something come around the corner uh, and move past our sliding glass doors. Um, it was not the stationary coat rack that is there. It was not a bird flying by the window. It was not a cat. Um, it was a uh, it was a, a, a human sized uh, figure that moved through a pretty dark room past the the illuminated sliding glass door, and uh, and it was real enough to where I saw it 
and my brain kind of immediately went to Ashley to then the realization that Ashley hasn't been home for two hours and I'm home alone. Uh, and then immediately to fear. There was no, what was that? Was that, was that like a big bird that flew by or a cat or it was just my, 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 my response was immediately person. Um, oh and it, uh, it genuinely, genuinely freaked me out. And I'm, uh, I'm not a, <laughs> I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a person who, who sees ghosts. This is, yeah. uh. That was new. Yeah, this isn't, yeah, this isn't, uh, just like fodder for the podcast or anything. This was something genuinely fucking creepy that happened to me. Did you so. text Ashley pretty immediately? Oh, immediately. immediately. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know if you called or texted her to be I, like, please come home. I texted her immediately to let her know that if I, uh, if she came home and I was on the floor in a pool of blood. Nope. That, uh. <laughs> just be warned. This is, this is, this is what just happened. So. Oh my gosh, Joe. You saw your well, first and clothes. I have to apologize too, because literally the episode two weeks ago where we said it you wasn't had be a asked, um, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. If I'm dating someone who this happens to a lot, is it, like, am I going to start seeing things? I was like, no, absolutely not. That's right. not how it works. And we then both very strongly agreed that later, that doesn't happen. I get a text is. from Joe who's like just spooked out of his mind. Yeah, and, and to, to so. anybody to anybody listening to this, I. Um, I'm not I'm not on the same like spooktacular level as as Ashley no. or Lauren for that matter. I'm not somebody not who's even like really terribly interested in the subject matter. Mm. I have no personal experience with it. it I'm just a, I'm just a guy who writes about hockey. <laughs> and uh this was a big thing. Yeah, and uh and it uh I had the the I was spooked to the degree that you would expect a person who doesn't experience this kind of thing to be spooked to. Yeah, and rightly so. I would have had a heart attack if I were in your position. I, uh, I was uh, not feeling super great. Oh yeah, we gosh. texted about it for a little bit, and then I had to go back to work, obviously. And then a little bit later, I was texting Joe and texting Joe and texting Joe and texting Joe. And he was writing, but I didn't know. And I, in my head, because he was so spooked and he was so sure that he saw something, in my head, I was like, oh, someone was in our apartment and right. I texted Joe. And oh I called God. him and I left a voicemail. I was like, hi! It's me. Uh, if you could fucking answer my text messages, please. I'm losing call it. Call me here. back immediately yeah. because I'm about to call the police. I was in. I was in. The, I was in the zone. I was yeah, writing. He was writing. Thank goodness. Anyways, I just wanted you to share that. Yeah. With everybody. Yeah, I didn't no. want to warn you because I wanted your genuine feedback. <laughs> well, you got it. That was it. <laughs> well, you, mission accomplished. And that especially proves our point that we made on the Ask a Weirdo episode that we don't know we don't what know we're shit. talking about. We were both so positive yeah. that we knew what we were talking about. I really. Really, truly was like he will what never a stupid see a question you're fine <laughs> Three sorry everyone so if you're in that same position you might see a ghost you might see a ghost forget everything we said sorry um so now really quickly we will go into our news segment this week in weird 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 weird, weird. weird. Thanks, Joe. You're welcome. It's so uh, nice to so, have that yeah. face note coming in. Yeah, it is nice because we're, you know, we're up here. You are. So it's really nice to have but I'm like, down here. yeah, like a valley. Thanks I've, for that. We're the I, I slide in with soothing baritone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Weird. 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 
Hi, hello. So, uh, this weekend we are to have two stories really quickly. One just broke this morning, and everyone is definitely going to see it by the time this airs on Friday, but I don't care. A photograph discovered in the U.S. National Archives may add weight to the theory that Amelia Earhart survived a landing in the Marshall Islands. It was taken captive by the Japanese. Have you seen this yet? No. You've been teaching online, so you have, have no been, opportunity I've to. been with children. It's all over now. It's on BuzzFeed. It's on whatever. Oh my God, tell me everything. It was on, um, uh, it was on the Today Show. Yeah, it was this on the morning. Today Show. Yeah. So this will so, be old news to yeah, you guys, but we're still going to talk about it. It's um, me right now. <laughs> NBC reports that the picture shows a woman that looks like Amelia Earhart and a man that looks like her co-pilot, Fred Noonan, after their crash. There's a two-hour History Channel special coming out called Amelia Earhart, The Lost Evidence, which will feature this photograph along with other details and evidence that point to Earhart's capture by the Japanese. Evidence such as plane parts found uh, on the Marshall Islands that appear to be like those on the plane Earhart flew in 1937, and an eyewitness who claims to have seen Earhart and Noonan after they supposedly perished. Japanese authorities told NBC there are no records indicating that Earhart was in Japanese custody, but facial recognition experts have stated that the photograph is, quote, very convincing evidence and that the man in the photo is almost positively Noonan. Wow. So, and the picture is, like, from, from pretty far away. Joe saw it. I think I have it on my phone. It's from pretty far it. away, um, but you can kind of see a woman sitting, like, on a dock here. Uh-huh. That's the picture. Okay. And that's after the crash supposedly happened. No so, way. And people are pretty sure this is them? Yeah, well, the the woman Noonan. you can't see, like, at all. You can see right. the back of her head. But you can see Noonan straight on. Yeah. And it, I mean, it does look like her profile. Mm-hmm. She's, like, turning her head to the side. Oh, my God. short hair. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. Fascinating. Um, and they're claiming that they probably, you know, died... Uh, in Japanese custody, okay. either from injuries sustained sustained in the crash, if they did in fact crash, or I don't know, I don't know what else. Wow, that's huge. <clears throat> now it is important to know, you know, as as far as why the Japanese would would hold on to Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan since 1937. So the United States is not yet involved in uh, World War II. Uh, however. Uh, Imperial Japan is uh, making its way through Southeast Asia and mm-hmm. Indochina, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, American pilots crashing in a Japanese-occupied territory at that period in time was most likely considered to be an act of espionage, okay. which is yeah. why non-warring nations would, you know, w- why this would still be plausible. Right. Yeah. No, it makes sense. That is so cool. Very interesting. So, anyways, that's old news for y'all. BuzzFeed's already done that. it, so you know all about it. There's yeah. probably going to be more breaking stories before I know. Friday. There's going to be more information by the time this airs. So, anyways. That's um, very cool. Very cool. Uh, what a badass. Yeah. Amelia Earhart? Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. She Total just badass. seems like a real cool chick. Yep. Did you guys see... Um, Night at the Museum. Mm-hmm. Amy Adams yes. as Amelia Earhart Everything. is the most adorable thing that I've ever seen. She's just okay. cute and always, though. But I know, yes. that's true. One more story. The NASA rover has been scouring the surface of Mars since August of 2012 and has sent back a photograph from 2014 that NASA just recently released of something that resembles a thigh bone. 
Alien and UFO enthusiasts are claiming this photograph as further proof that there are signs of alien life on Mars, Ooh. and some are even taking the photo as surefire evidence that NASA must be hiding proof of life. However, NASA has said that the supposed alien thigh bone is actually just another weathered Martian rock. They said uh, mission science team members think its shape is likely sculpted by erosion, either wind or water. NASA scientists continue to stick to their guns by saying that if aliens do live on Mars, they are most likely in the form of microbes. Uh, they said if life ever existed on Mars, scientists expect that it would be uh, small, simple life forms. Mars likely never had enough oxygen in its atmosphere and elsewhere to support more complex organisms, thus large fossils are not likely. However, the rover continues to send back images of quote-unquote weathered rocks that resemble more complex bone structures like hip bones and rib cages. And of course, in 1976, the rock formation that resembled a human face, which is now famously known as the face on Mars. Do you guys remember that? I do. Yeah. That's interesting. So, rocks shaped like bones? Maybe. Or bones. Or just bones. What do you think, Joe? Rocks shaped like bones. Hmm, I don't know. I'm going to need more evidence. Well, I'm, I'm going to hit you with it a little bit later in the segment. Oh, so, great, great, so don't great, worry great. about it. Well, then, Fantastic. just for the sake of argument, I'm going to say bones. 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 Too. Bones for Definitive sure. proof. Definitive proof. End of conversation. 100% bones. It's actually Marvin the Martian. <laughs> oh, Marvin. I used to be able to do a mm, Marvin the Martian. Marvin. But... Will you give All it a shot right, right cool. now? No, Joe. Well, Joe's you know, fine. Joe Joe's gave us in... his. I want to hear Ashley. I... Let's go. I'm embarrassed now. No, why? No, because that was very good. It was. It was passable. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to make. Me I don't know about very good. British human. British. British human. I can't do a um, Margaret impression as we've just seen just now. Um, after hearing Joe's realize that maybe I was thinking of the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, will you do what you think is a Marvin the Martian impression? I really hope it's like Sylvester. <laughs> no. I really hope it's something that's just like couldn't be more far off. Like, no, nope, Mar- we're moving on. We're, we're moving on. Actually, we, we're running out of time, so we're just gonna Second go. <laughs> we're gonna go right into um. <laughs> That was all I had for this weekend. Weird. Yay. I could have had more, but we have a lot to talk about. So, but that was a very appropriate story, though. Thank you. you know I that alien so too. life, like the you real, did a good for sure, one hundred percent Martian bones that they found on Mars. One hundred percent Martian bones. Whatever you say, Joe, is not correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, so today we are talking to you about aliens. We are continuing on with some of the stuff we did not get to yes. cover last week, um, and. Uh, Lauren's going to go first. Yeah. I'm chatting about crop circles today, which are something that is not, I mean, obviously not 100% to be alien life It's 100% proof. alien life I mean, proof. it is. It is 100%. There's no other explanation. But they're very fascinating. Um, for those who don't know, a crop circle is an area of standing crops that has been flattened in the form of a circle or sometimes an even more complex pattern. Sometimes they... Or triangles, sometimes they've looked like the shape of birds, sometimes they are mathematical equations, sometimes they are some sort of message, blah, blah, blah. There's lots of different things. Sometimes they are literally just a circle. But it's important to know that they're usually in crops, because that has come out in some historical instances. Um, I wanted to dive in first with early crop circles and when people think they first started. 
Um, some groups believe that crop circles have been reported for centuries, a claim that is repeated in many books. It's on lots of websites that have different theories and enthusiasts that talk about the mystery. And the piece of evidence that people use for this is this woodcut, which is basically just an illustration or an art form that's carved into wood. An old school woodcut illustrates what in folklore is known as a mowing devil legend. And this goes back to an English farmer told a worker with whom he was feuding with that he would rather pay the devil himself to cut his oat field than pay the fee that the worker demanded. So the source of the harvesting is not unknown or mysterious, like in most crop circles. We see on the woodcut that it is indeed Satan himself who is cutting up the oat field. And you can see that he's holding a scythe. Is that what that's called? Scythe. Scythe. It's a little scythe, which is like for mowing grass or reaping crops before. Obviously, we got the heavy machinery and all the stuff for farming. We should go back to it. The scythe? I feel, yeah, I feel like it was really... It's clean go back cut. to the it's scythe. A clean, it's a clean, it's a clean cut. cut. Yeah, You're it's like exactly shaving right. with a straight razor. You know? <laughs> exactly. Is it the most efficient? No. no. Does it give you the cleanest shave? Hell Absolutely. yes. <laughs> I, we're doing a commercial for a straight shave razor. Uh, this <laughs> is a commercial for scythe. Are you sick of harvesting your crops the newfangled way? Does technology get you down? I'm answering my ass I'm answering my ass Johnson. <laughs> I knew exactly what you were Yeah, you did. Oh, yeah, right that's my, that's my infomercial guy voice. Yeah. Buy a scythe today. I'm answering my ass Johnson. Also, I've been saying scythe for many years, so welcome to me sucking at life, everybody. And scene. And so, anyway, people believed that because of that picture and because of the circular motion that was happening in the oat field, that was the first recorded instance, which was back in, like, the 1600s. Interesting. But then other people are saying no, because we see that it's the devil, and that's, like, part of the folklore. So it's not mysterious, and it's not alien life. So then that one sort of got debunked. And then other claims say that the first crop circle appeared in 1966 in a little town called Tully in Australia, where a farmer claimed he saw a flying saucer rise up from a swampy area and fly away. And when he went to investigate, he saw a circular area of debris and flattened grass, which he assumed had been made by the alien spacecraft that he saw taking off. Police later said that they thought it was a natural phenomena called a dust devil or a water spout that caused the circle to come in the grass and that... The man was mistaken in what he saw, but the press was covering it and calling it a flying saucer nest, and people flocked from all over to go check Ooh, out the circle. Flying saucer a nest. flying saucer nest was its good good old nickname. Um, but this story ended up being more of a UFO report than a crop circle report because again, this happened in grass, and it's normal that they would appear in crops or in oats or something like that. And so in this case, as we all know, grass can easily be flattened if something's sitting yeah. on top of it. Like those kitty pools in the summertime when you take yes. them off, you get those big dead grass circles. So when it's in grass, it's not really as impressive. And that's why people say that doesn't really yeah, count. Yeah, because in the crops and like cornfields, in order to bend the corn and not snap the stalk... Exactly. That takes I some talent know. that we don't exactly. understand. Yeah, I don't exactly know how you could do that. Go on. Exactly. So these two stories mm-hmm. are sort of just things that people are really reaching and stretching for to say, hey, look how far back we can go in history. But really, one of them is a UFO report. And one of them is like an urban legend. So coming into when crop circles really kind of took the scene, we first started noticing them around the 1970s when very simple looking circles began appearing in the English countryside. And then shortly after in the 80s and 90s, we started to get complex circles and crazy shapes that we'd never seen before. And sometimes even the mathematical equations, like I mentioned before. So in 1966, 
One of the world's most complex and spectacular crop circles appeared in England across a highway from the mysterious and world-famous Stonehenge, which... Ah. Is that associated? I don't know. I don't know. It was an astonishing fractal pattern called a Julia set, which a Julia set is a mathematical equation that I don't understand. I even tried Googling it, and I still don't get it, mm-hmm. even from the definition. You should have seen us trying to uh, trans- translate light years into feet. Oh my into God. miles. Into miles. Uh, I, 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 I did get it, but um, it's been a while since exponents, so I was having yeah, a right? difficult time reading my answer. Yeah, he like yes. typed it in, and it was like, oh, it's, you know, such and such E... 14, and I was like, yeah. what? I forgot about exponents. I forget I actually don't believe they class. exist. Go They're on. not real. It's They're not real. <laughs> like dinosaurs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> not real. Not real. So this is a very complex fractal pattern called a Julia set. And while some simple circles can be explained away as a result of strange weather, whatever you want to say, this was the first um, circle and equation of mysterious happening that was finally showing intelligence. And that made people say, okay, either a human made this, I don't really understand how, but it's something that has a mind and a brain right. and we need to start questioning this because it was insane. So was this human or was this extraterrestrial? The design became all the more mysterious because claims were coming that the circle appeared in less than an hour and in the middle of the day, which if this is true, it would be virtually impossible for a hoaxer to accomplish. And the circle became one of the most famous and most mysterious and important crop circles in history. So that's one of the first most complex, like, what on earth is this? Um, What's cool about crop circles is that unlike other phenomenon like psychic powers, ghosts, Bigfoot... There's no doubt that crop circles are real. We see them. People have touched them. It's more of just what do you believe made this and how do you think they went about it? Was it an extraterrestrial being or was it someone on Earth able to look at this? So scientists, researchers, crop circle enthusiasts look at, is the information a message? Could it be from an extraterrestrial trying to communicate with us? Does that make sense? Or what is happening with the crop circle? Are the designs possible to be made by a human or is this something that a human body cannot do or slash a tool so you have to look at all of those things and some of the theories that have come out about the patterns some of them are plausible some of them are ridiculous one explanation came in the 1980s um where a person said they were accidentally produced by an especially sexual and horny hedgehog oh and they think that a group of hedgehogs created this pattern, and that's one of the sexy sonic. A sexy sonic came on through and created the circle because it was mating time or whatever you want to believe. But oh, I got a real bad one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it to myself. No, what say it, please. Might, might might be children listening. Probably shouldn't say it. There's, There's no children. No children. You want me to say it? Yes, Joe. Is it as bad as what you said earlier? No, but okay, it's not go good. Sonic the fuck hog. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That is actually really good. I hate it. Let's Go latch on. onto that theory. It was Sonic the Fuck. It was clearly <laughs> Sonic the Sexy Fuck Hog who, who created, these <laughs> created crop that prop circle. So that's an example of an absurd one, but a scientist was dead set on that one that it was some horny hedgehog. Um, some people have suggested that the circles are created by localized and precise wind patterns or by earth energy fields called ley lines that are undetectable to the human eye. Um, and others, such as molecular biologist Horace Drew, suggest that the answer lies in time travel or alien life, which this Whoa. is the most fun theory and which most people like to grab onto. 
He theorizes that the patterns could be made by human time travelers from the distant future to help us navigate around the planet or to send themselves messages in the future. Um, Drew, working on the assumption that the designs are intended as messages, believes he has decoded crop circles and that they have contained, that numerous ones have contained messages such as, believe there is good out there or beware the bearers of false gifts. So he, I don't know how, claims that that's what some of them say. And we don't know if it's a message to us or to time-traveling people to themselves in the future or whatever. But other scientists disagree with Horace and think that his decoding of these messages actually disprove his alien theory. Because if alien life was trying to contact us, they would probably want to talk about space travel or engineering or how we could effectively communicate with them and or how to avoid find wars. common ground or yeah, how to avoid certain things. So why would these cryptic messages like there is good out there? Why and would the aliens send us a message? It's beware bearers of yeah, false gifts. It's basically a cat poster that says hang in there. Exactly. <laughs> so there's That's this right. big Thanks. feud going on where Horace is saying, like, oh, this is for sure alien life, but here's what the messages say. Well, other Uh scientists are saying, you are contradicting yourself. This doesn't make sense, yada, yada, yada. Um, And then the final belief about crop circles, one of the theories, is that it is people making the crop circles, but not with their farming tools, with their psychic ability, that they are using the power of their minds to make these circles. So it is human-made, but they're not using a tool because... Obviously, tools can't make those shapes, so it had to be willed by the mind. So that's the other theory, which I had never heard before and was kind of like, I might buy that. Yeah, I'm into (laughs) it. I'm really into it. Yeah, so I kind of liked that. I really liked in the movie uh, Signs, Mm -hmm. where the crop circles were used in an invasion to, like, map the planet. Mm -hmm. That was really interesting. I just thought I'd throw that out there. I like the idea of a map, because you imagine alien life, mm-hmm. or maybe a time-traveling human who's up in a spaceship, they're looking down at a map that they created, right. and I think that's a very um, cool theory. There was also, oh god, uh, it just popped in my head, I would have researched it, because now I can't remember. It was it was an Egyptian, it was back like in the pyramid days, right? Mm-hmm. Where they would, you could still see them, I believe, they, they, they took their fields and... Um, and made, like, huge, uh, not crop circles, obviously, but, like, the shapes of, like, different animals and birds and stuff. Oh, they, yeah. did, they did that in South America, too. It was in yeah. South America. Yeah. The, the Egyptians did it as well. And it was one of, the, the question is, why would they do this if the only person or thing could see this was... Yeah, what, what you're saying is right. from the ground, you can't tell that it's a gigantic insect. Right. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't see the forest from the trees, but if you go above the ground and you look down it. on the earth, you see it clear as day that it's some kind of scorpion or, or whatever. Right. So who were they communicating so with? So who was, who was who above was them? For? These people didn't fly. There right. are no cliffs nearby that they can look mm-hmm. down on these images from. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly. the thing. Like, these messages are for someone, whether they're being made by something on Earth or not. I feel like the message is always for someone above, which that's, I think, the coolest mystery about yeah. crop circles. I mean, is at like least who... now we do have people above. You know, yeah. you can fly in a plane. Exactly. At that like... time, it made zero sense. Yeah. yeah. No, and I that is completely true. But I just feel like some of the cryptic, weird ones that turn out to be equations, it's like, what? Why? What? Why? Why would you do this? Um, and also, most crop circles show up 
in at least a night's time. Right. They they're both not there overnight. And then, and then they're, they're there in the morning. And that's so, bonkers. And they're usually perfect shapes, yes. which is so nice. And, and the ones that happen, say, very close to, like, where people are actually living or working mm. or, you know, where people are close by, they can't use large mechanical you know, tractors or anything like that, they'd be able to hear it. Exactly. Also, a key component of the of the, the, the quote-unquote perfection of crop circles is that the crops themselves, like corn stalks, mm-hmm. are bent and not broken. Right. Yeah, we were saying we were that saying. at the beginning. Yeah. 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 So how how one person can go in and and do it in that precise way to bend them all down, not break them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get your foot out of here, Joe. I'm getting the side eye right now, listeners. Because I have my foot on the table, and my foot (laughs) is no longer on the table. Well done, Joe. Well done, Joe. So, no, actually what you're talking about brings me to my next point. I just wanted to read off a few um, key components of crop circles and how usually they all share these common characteristics. So crop circles, as the name states, are usually circles. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes there are other shapes involved, sometimes even birds, as we were saying before. Rarely triangles or rectangles, though. Usually just curved lines are are kind of the only way, which are very hard to do. Otherwise, they're usually circles. Um, The nocturnal creation component, as Ashley mentioned, crop circles are usually formed overnight, often cited by farmers or passerbys the next morning. And though there seems to be no logical reason for extraterrestrials to create patterns only at night, it is obviously a great advantage for hoaxers and people who have admittedly done these themselves to go in the darkness. And full moon nights are especially popular because of the light they provide. Um, Most crop circles are camera shy because they have never been recorded while being made, not even by a hoaxer. And this is very specific. What? This is very (laughs) suspicious. Um, especially if we consider that this could be mysterious forces at work that are able to produce it in an hour or just a short amount of time and no one is able to ever capture them. Um, Their closeness to roads, which we sort of mentioned, being close to roads or public access is a very popular feature. Um, They're usually in fields that provide reasonably easy access to a public road or highway. They rarely appear in remote, inaccessible areas. And because of this, patterns are usually noticed within a day or two of their creation, adding more mystery of how did this get formed right next to civilization? How did we not know this? How did we not hear this? Blah, blah, blah. Um, So those are just some key characteristics of crop circles. And although we have lots of theories and there are a small percentage of crop circles out there in the world that have not been explained and still remain this crazy mystery, the unfortunate truth is a lot of crop circles are created by hoaxers and people have come forward and admitted that they created them. And that is the bigger percentage that exists in the world. And that after some time, people have come forward and said, sorry, that was me. And I've been doing it for the past couple of years. (laughs) That was me. Um, Yeah. I think the first people that came forward, it was two pranksters in 1991 that had confessed they had been doing crop circles for a decade to make people think that UFOs had indeed landed on earth. So they're really rude. And they (laughs) also inspired lots of copycats to come forward and do it after them. So there are lots of hoaxes out there in the world. However, there's still about 10% of crop circles in the world that have not been explained. And we're still not sure. Interesting. So I thought that was fun. What do you think, Joe? Crop circles? Uh Yeah. Not buying it. Oh. You think they're all hoaxes? Yeah, I I think enough of them have been 
done well by hoaxers mm-hmm. to suggest that it's more likely that the remaining 10% were also done by hoaxers who were not caught right? Uh, rather than um, something extraterrestrial. Just a, just a numbers game. I sure. would like to see how they how they do it. Right, I want to know exactly. I've actually, how they do I've it. actually, I remember watching Once Upon a Time. A couple guys create crop circles. They weren't able to create anything ornate. They weren't able to create these magnificent designs. But I did watch these guys create a a, a rather large. Didn't they use rope? Spiral. They used ropes and wooden wooden boards. Okay. They would basically loop uh, the rope through the wooden board and like gently step. On the wooden board, and it would it to to bend these corn stalks without breaking them. Okay. And these two guys made a pretty good sized uh, crop circle in like ninety minutes. Wow. How did they do it so precise? Yeah. Like, how do you get it to look so perfect? I don't know. So I honestly don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's something as simple as like they're good at it, or <laughs> you know, I, I don't. Really good I, at I don't it. remember, but I specifically remember uh, the the method used. I remember the guys. So it was literally just a plank of wood. And a rope that they would hold on to while stepping onto the board and, like, kind of pulling at the same time. Okay. Yeah, I, beyond that, I, I don't know. And that's what sucks is researchers say, like, they look at their pictures and their evidence from a time when a hoaxer came forward and said, I made this. And then they look at one of the crop circles that's still a mystery and who no one has claimed and they're still unsure about. And they look almost exactly the same. So there's no evidence where you say oh 100% a human did this and this one could be anything like they look exactly the same and so that kind of sucks that these hoaxers are so good at it that if alien life did create any of those they look identical and yeah that's know. that's the the real shame of it is that like what what was the genesis for the crop circle did yeah. somebody just come up with the crop circle completely on their own or were crop circles a thing that have since you know been Complete had their reputation completely tarnished by uh, a, a slew of hoaxers who happened to be good at it. Yeah, you know. For sure. Well, that's also the problem with uh, paranormal investigations now is that everyone and UFO sightings is that everyone has access to Photoshop. Everyone has access yeah. to. I mean, we have it on our phones where we can like doctor a photograph exactly you know what i mean or like doctoring like evps and stuff so when people actually get photographic evidence or video evidence or uh you know sound audio evidence so many people can easily just say well it's fake Mm -hmm. right right well it's cgi Mm -hmm. well that was clearly edited yeah you know what i mean doctored yeah and, like, back in the day, not so much, you know, even back in the 80s, like, not everyone had access to the stuff that we have access to today, right. where they could, like, fake that stuff. And now, every, literally, everybody has it. Six-year-olds have iPhones. The world is ending. The world is falling apart. <laughs> I agree. So that's crop circles crop in a circles. nutshell. Ashley, what do you think? I, here's my thing. I don't know. I, because I have heard, I have read stories about crop circles popping up seemingly over a matter of hours. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you talk, these things, and they've been measured to be perfect circles. Right. You can't even, I mean, most people can't even draw a perfect circle on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. So how are humans in a matter of hours, and these are just like, these aren't like, 
scientists out there. No. These are like, Average my name's Ted and I got a wooden board and a rope. Um, how are they creating enormous, perfect circles? Not just one, but like clusters of perfect circles in right. a design in a matter of hours. Mm-hmm. I'm in the same boat. I just, I just it seems of, beyond it seems, human yeah, ability it seems, to me. It seems a little, it seems like a stretch to say like two guys went out there and did this. Right. But it also... Because people have come forward and been like, I did that. It also seems like a stretch that it could be, like, 100% alien. Yeah, of course. Created. Yeah. Yeah, those are, that's a, I, I would say, and, you know, there's also people who could, you know, come forward and say that they did it and, like, just to get credit for it. Sure. I mean, I had that thought, too, when I was reading that article about the two men who came out in the 90s and how they took credit for decades of crop circles, and it just made me think, well, how much proof did you have that that was you? Like, did you just want to take credit for these beautiful shapes? Do you have pictures of yourself Which there is no photo or video evidence of them, as I stated, so I don't know why they just were able to be like, Oh, yeah, I believe these two guys. And they were like, cool, 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 case closed. I know. Which, granted, maybe they did present something that wasn't in the article, and they were like, you know, see, this is how I did it, let me show you, but I don't know, it still seems a little little questionable to me. It's an interesting topic. Joe's like, fuck this, I hate it all. (laughs) No, no, not at all. No, at the very least, it's incredibly interesting, and I'm not going to pretend like I have the answers, just because I I feel like it's more likely that... That um that that they don't have any correlation to anything extraterrestrial. I can't explain. Uh, like we said before about the you know the 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 more ancient crop, not necessarily crop circles, but crop art. Gra- yeah, gra- <laughs> ground art. ground markings to be seen mm. from above. Whether or not that was just some primitive people's you know idea, art, of God uh, yeah, in the art sky. for art for God or, yeah, or whatever. I honestly can't tell you. Um, at the very least, it makes for excellent fodder for a fine podcast such as yours. Ah, oh, yes, flattery. yes, we love that. Flattery will get you everywhere. Everywhere, flattery will get you on this couch. Hey, sure will. Hey, and out of the bedroom. Well, Joe, um, Joe has a lot of sciencey stuff to talk about. I do have sciencey stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yay! Yes. This Hooray. is the stuff we love. Hard science. I'm Hard also science. drenched in sweat. Oh, it yeah, is. It is hot. about thirty seconds ago in my head. I went, it is fucking hot in here. <laughs> I was talking real about quick. crop so circles sorry. and dabbing my brow the whole time Ooh, I was I talking. I, I looked like one of those like warm. old man scientists, like, listen to me about <laughs> the crop circles. I'm here. drenched. Why Give won't me they my listen? Kerchief. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your papers are flying everywhere. I know. Um, there's going to be a lot of big words. There's not going to be that many big no, words. There's going to be there's going to be some Latin. Hand. I'm going to raise my hand anytime there's a word I don't understand. Oh, please do because right. I will be right there with you. Okay. There's a little bit of Latin. That's no, the only no. Oh, hands up, it. hands up already. <laughs> All right. Well, the first thing that I want to put out there, there's going to be a couple uh, references to uh, light years in terms of how far something is from planet Earth. Um, so just to clarify for anybody who's listening who is not certain exactly how far a light year is, a light year, one light year, is roughly 5.9 trillion miles. So there you go. So, so when really you're, far. That's a number yeah. I can't even wrap my head around. One light year is it's it's a like five point eight decimal million mi- uh, trillion miles. Good gravy. That's a light year. So what I want to talk about. Good gravy. Goodness. <laughs> oh my. These are the things that come out of my mouth. Sorry. So uh, so 
what my my angle, I guess, for, for this episode is going to be, uh, where are they? Yeah, but, where, but, where, but where are they? But where are they? <laughs> so, not unlike Enrico Fermi before me, um, where are they? Who, oh, the hand is already up. Who is Enri- Enrico? En- Enrico Fermi? Enrico Fermi is one of the one of the greatest scientists of, of all time. Yay! Um, so I guess I guess we'll start with this. We'll start with the Fermi paradox. Okay. Okay. So the Fermi paradox is it's it's related to the the Drake equation. So I know I'm throwing out a lot of things that need explanation here. We're getting there. Fold so, our hands. When so we'll start with the Drake equation okay. instead. Frank Drake is uh, he's the co-founder of uh, the modern SETI. He is an astronomer. He is one of the greatest astrophysicists in the world. Okay. And, uh, and in 1961, he came up with an equation that is far too complicated for me to really understand, let alone, let alone explain. talk about at okay. length on your podcast. So let's just say that he came up with an equation that ultimately, gauging the probability of intelligent extraterrestrial civilizations that exist beyond our own. Trying to trying to gauge that, trying to find that number. Right. Over the years, the number has been that he came up with has been kind of maligned. It's been called into question by a lot of people because Frank Drake himself made a couple assumptions that are not necessarily a hundred percent mathematically proven. Okay. So there are variables within the Drake equation. But the Drake equation ultimately suggested that there are in the known universe there are the there is there are likely anywhere between one thousand to a hundred million alien civilizations that either have existed, currently exist, or will exist, based upon the size of uh, the size of the universe, galaxies. Uh, the Goldilocks zone, which I'm going to get into, yada, yada, yada. That's the number that he came up with. Okay. So the Fermi paradox is in, basically in response to the Drake equation, where Enrico Fermi said, it's, it's basically an if-then theorem. Okay. He said, if that is the number, and if the, if Earth isn't such a miracle, then where is everybody? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so there are billions of stars in the galaxy, similar to our sun, um, there's a high probability that some of these stars have Earth-like planets. And if Earth is typical, you know, quote-unquote, then some might develop intelligent life. The universe, the known universe as we know it, is 13 point, 13 points. Boint's not a word. Boint? <laughs> Boint is actually a very complex mathematical term. Um, the, the, the Earth is, uh, the galaxy rather, is 13.8 billion years. That's as, that's as deep into space and time as we can as see. we've gone. Currently. 13.8 billion years. Okay. So, again, Fermi Paradox, where is everybody? Where? So, in the, the modern search for extraterrestrial life, NASA and astrophysicists everywhere are very encouraged with the leaps that have been made over the course of the last decade, specifically over the course of the last five years. People at NASA say a lot of people, including Neil deGrasse Tyson, believe that we will find some form of extraterrestrial life. Not necessarily intelligent. In fact, more than likely not intelligent. But some form of extraterrestrial life in the next 50 years. And the reason they have for this is because we know where to look now. 
Okay. So right. where, where the where we are spending the vast majority of our effort, time, and resources is looking for planets that fall in the Goldilocks zone. As you okay. remember, Goldilocks, this is too hot, this is too right. cold, this is just right. Mm-hmm. So the Goldilocks zone is measuring a planet's distance. It's a set range of distances for a planet to exist from its star to support liquid water. Okay. Um... So that's that's what the Goldilocks zone is. The Kepler telescope is the main scientific instrument that is currently being used to examine these aforementioned Goldilocks zones. So over the course of the last four years of searching just one quarter of one percent of our galaxy, the Kepler telescope has identified identified a total of 49 planets that fall within the Goldilocks zone, including 10 planets just a little over two weeks ago. Wow. So very topical at this point. Yeah. So there are 49 planets that the Kepler telescope has discovered, just to reiterate, while measuring just one quarter of 1% of our galaxy over the course of the last four so years. So 50 planets that could support life. Yes. And that's such a small percentage that's even been seen and Yes, or... exactly. And of, of those... <laughs> of those, Lawrence, of... Lawrence, it? She can't even form so, words. So that includes... <laughs> Planets that exist within a certain distance of a red dwarf, mm-hmm. of a star that is a fraction of the size of our sun. Mm-hmm. That would mean that the planet would have to exist closer to the dwarf star than mm-hmm. we do from our sun. Okay. But that is being taken into account by the geniuses over at NASA. Of course. But of those 49 planets, uh, 12 of them orbit sun-like stars. Stars that are very comparable in size and in power to our sun. So, that is also encouraging news. Uh-huh. As far as where they could be, the closest that they could be is uh, a planet called Proxima B. Proxima this is something B. that I, I mentioned, like, oh, I didn't get to talk about the Goldilocks Zone or Proxima Centauri. This yeah. is, so, this is actually a continuation of something that I had wanted to talk about the last episode. So, Proxima B orbits Proxima Centauri, which is a red dwarf. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the closest exoplanet to Earth, which means that it's the closest planet to Earth outside of our solar system. Okay. Um, it is 4.2 light years away. So, for you listening at home, take 4.2, multiply it by 5.9 trillion, <laughs> and that's how many miles away Proxima B is it's from pretty Earth. pretty close. Yeah, it, it, just say a quick drive. It, but but, so but, drive. but seriously though, but it is. It's it's basically next door to us yeah. in in the greater scheme of things. It's incredibly close to us. Um, Can I go there? Because I don't want to live here anymore. I, ooh, good ooh, question. How a, long would it take us to get there? You want to know how long it would take to get there? <laughs> yeah. Seventy three thousand years. All right, let's do it. That's a number that I that I also <laughs> came leave. across. We should leave today. We with have the, to leave now. With the the constraints of modern space travel, mm-hmm. it would take seventy three thousand years to reach Proxima Centauri. Space travel sucks right now. Yeah, we need to really got to ramp it up. Yeah, we got to beef up our our jet engine. I'm which looking, I'm looking right? at four years at the most. <laughs> it's, That's what is, I'm looking for. No, this is where you start getting into like theoretical physics, where you start getting into black holes mm-hmm. um, for time travel. You yeah. know, rally points, loops, mm-hmm. things that we don't have the basically anything beyond the most rudimentary yeah. uh, ideas of. Right. Um, this is physics that is far beyond where we are at. So Proxima B is only 5% of the distance from its star than we are 
from our sun. Okay. So it's incredibly close to yeah. a star, but because of the dwarf size and the cooler temperature, um, it's you can it would be live habitable. there. Yeah. It's it's habitable. Yeah. So but yeah. I have a question. Sure. So all of the this research that's being done, all of these theories, are depending on the thought, the idea, the theory that other life forms in our universe would survive on the same things that we would. Exactly. It's based upon our knowledge of how, specifically, how intelligent life can survive. Mm -hmm. Because I do have some stuff in here that gets into microbial organisms uh, not necessarily needing oxygen or liquid water to survive. Okay, okay. Um, but this is the this is the search for extraterrestrial intelligence specifically. Right. Like only going on what we think. Here's how we know as humans biological intelligent life can exist. It uh-huh. needs this, it needs that. It right. needs it needs water, right. it needs carbon, We're it going needs off oxygen. How we survive and how we live to see. Exactly. We are very narcissistic, go on. Um well I'm going to get to that. Okay. <laughs> um so, so it's it's actually very likely that liquid water does exist on Proxima B. Okay. Uh, given the uh, given the parameters set forth, however, um, whether or not Proxima B has an atmosphere uh, has yet to be determined, and that's incredibly important. Yeah. Because if it doesn't have an atmosphere, um, despite the fact that it's only five percent of the distance from its star to ours, despite that it's a dwarf star, it's still a star. Mm-hmm. And there are still uh, violent, uh, ultraviolet, and X-ray flares. So everything would coming burn off of up it. if there's so. If there is not an atmosphere, if there is not basically their equivalent of an ozone, mm-hmm. life cannot exist, regardless of what the temp- surface temperature is. Okay. Um, if it does exist, um, then it's estimated that the surface temperature of Proxima B would be somewhere between eighty-six to one hundred and four degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. So that's basically like uh, like Palmdale. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, like let's go to Palm that's like that's Springs. like living in the high desert about an hour right. and a half outside of Las, Los Angeles. Yeah, or Las Vegas for that matter. Yeah, it's like living in Barstow. Yes. Um. So. Uh, so that's. I mean, that if the atmosphere does exist, that's livable. Yeah. Exactly. Um. NASA has also just recently found evidence of another potential solar system, uh, a collection of planets orbiting around a single star. Uh, which is a mere 39 light years from Earth. Oh. So in terms of another solar system, that's also essentially in our backyard. Yeah. Even though fun. in order to find how many miles that is, it's 39 times 5.9 trillion. <laughs> so that's we are not going there anytime soon. No. There are other avenues in which life can exist that don't necessarily need to be within a quote-unquote Goldilocks zone. You know what they are? No. Motherfucking ice planets. Woo! Ice planets. Ice planets are ice. some cool shit. Um, Isn't Hoth an ice planet? Yes. <laughs> what? It is. A real one. Yes. I, is this a Star Wars thing? No. That was, a, that was an Empire Strikes Back. No, it's not, Ashley. Yeah, it was. So basically, there is potential for life on ice planet, and that doesn't mean that there are going to be, you know, like yetis and stuff walking mm-hmm. around. Everything is subterranean. It's basically... Um, a miles and miles and miles thick sheet of ice that covers the planet that basically acts as atmosphere, that acts as an ozone layer from solar flares, things like that. Um, and then when you go down to the core of a planet, you either have um, a, a severe gravitational pull 
which causes constant motion and churning, or you have a bevy of gases, specifically hydrogen, that are building up, which heat the core of the planet. So between the liquid hot magma, as Dr. <laughs> Evil would say, at the magma. core of a planet, and the, you know, miles and miles and miles thick sheet of ice on the surface of the planet, you have ocean planets. Okay. Which doesn't mean that we're going to have little green humanoid men that we're communicating with, but it, at the very least, sets up the possibility for microbial organisms living in the ocean, uh, if not something even greater further down the evolutionary line, like space sea monsters, mm -hmm. basically, which is... My absolute Which, which is, is basically... The, the next movie I'm making. Yeah. Space sea monsters. Space five. sea monsters, <laughs> which is basically the most oh, terrifying shit imaginable. Um, so, uh, two ice planets of note. Uh, Enceladus is the newest one to kind That's of crack the name. news. It is fun. fun. It's the uh, sixth largest moon of Saturn. Uh, again, like I said, ocean planet covered in a thick layer of ice. Um, there are massive, massive plumes of pure hydrogen okay. that are being blasted out of the southernmost pole of this moon, uh, at 800 miles per hour, wow. which is extreme. Um, That's quite fast. uh, so yeah, so it, we, it gives the, there's considerable evidence of massive hydrothermal vents on the planet. Okay. Uh, we have massive hydrothermal vents on our own planet in the deepest darkest regions of our oceans um where there is no sunlight there is no oxygen and yet there are still scores of microbial organisms living on the hydrothermal vents yeah eating surviving off of pure hydrogen so yes. finding this ice planet that is so full of pure hydrogen that the planet is actually blasting it out of its southernmost pole to release it, to release the pressure, suggests high probability of microbial organisms existing, existing living, living off of the pure hydrogen, ah. which is exciting stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's another one, Europa, which you've, you've probably yes, heard yes. of before. Uh, it's one of Jupiter's that was, moons. That was Earth before we separated. That's Pangea. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It was, just, it was a joke. It was a joke. But <laughs> it was not a every, joke because I looked at you like this. Not everybody, ah, but not everybody ah, at home could see ah, your coy, oh. devil may okay, care here's smirk. The thing, here's the thing, guys. This I said is what that, was happening. She was that, raising her I eyebrows. Looked, I was like, ah. And me and Joe ah. were snickering, but all of it mm -hmm. happened quietly. Yes, and everyone was in on see. it. Except you, you fucking loser. You idiots. <laughs> Go on. You didn't get it. You don't it's understand. Fine. No one appreciates me. Tell us about Pangea. So Europa... <laughs> Europa um, does not have uh, massive buildups of hydrogen, but it does have extremely strong tidal forces, um, which results from uh, Jupiter's gravitational pull, uh -huh. which creates liquid water on the planet, despite the fact that it's 400 million miles from its closest star. So this is, this is another... Holy buckets. <laughs> so this is another possibility. Um, so just getting back to the Fermi paradox really quickly... Um, these are the answers to the Fermi Paradox, or possible answers to the Fermi Paradox. Uh, where is everybody? Basically being the question of the Fermi Paradox. Uh, possible answer number one, we are, in fact, alone. 
Aww. However, oh, that one sucks. However, mathematically, that one is the least probable. Incredibly <laughs> unlikely. That's what I like to hear. Um, based upon the most updated adjustments made to Drake's equation, the probability of uh, a, the probability of a civilization developing would have to be less than one in ten billion trillion. For Earth to be the first technologically advanced planet. Well, those odds aren't great. Uh -uh. That doesn't necessarily mean that somebody is currently out there. Uh In fact, the more likely explanation for it... Is that they have been out there and the civilization has fallen. Is that we have missed out. Gosh dang it. Or not that we have missed out, but we are filling currently a still relatively unlikely phenomenon of intelligent life. This is just Earth's time in the grander scheme of things. So, um, again, the known universe, the furthest we can see back into time and space, is 13.8 billion years. Modern civilization on this planet is defined, or is at at least commences with the advent of agriculture. When people started staying in one place, creating their own society, their own little network of people, Mm -hmm. and basically traded being hunter-gatherers for being agrarian settlers who stay in one place, Mm -hmm. that goes back 10,000 years. So our civilization has been around for 10,000 years of our known galaxies, 13.8 billion years, which is, you know, a grain of sand on a beach. Yeah. Basically. For sure. So, the greatest likelihood is that we are, to an, in answering Fermi's paradox, is that they have existed, they will continue to exist long after we are gone, but the inherent nature of civilizations to destroy themselves puts a pretty hard cap on how, how, long, long, they can exist. how long a civilization can exist, and therefore the unlikelihood of multiple intelligent civilizations overlapping. Existing mm-hmm. at the same time. Exactly. Okay. Considering how long it took for us to get to... To get our shit together. To get to the point that we are at today. Yeah, from, from the first, from the first uh, human ancestor who jumped down out of a tree and walked upright to this point. Mm-hmm. That's, that's no time at all right, in yeah. the grander scheme of things. And now we have Trump, so our civilization is going... Down. Yeah, Decline. it's down, down, it, down, yeah. It down, basically down. It, it, it's what what you're seeing, and even 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 you know pre-Trump. I mean, what what you are have seen throughout time with mankind is that uh, a harmonious existence is highly unlikely, uh-huh. and that it is the inherent nature of civilizations on planets with non-renewable resources to eventually destroy one another for those non-renewable resources Uh as populations blossom. Or destroy the resources before we destroy each other. Exactly. Um, We all die. However, um, as we mentioned in our previous episode, um, it's also possible that those civilizations do currently exist and are trying to communicate with us. Mm -hmm. Um, but we are quite literally on a different frequency than they are. We are using radio waves. They are using something that is 
far more advanced than radio waves. Mm, perhaps, perhaps we are using radio waves and they are still, you know, they're in their evolutionary equivalent of coming down out of the trees and walking upright. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody had tried to communicate with planet Earth 5,000 years ago with radio waves, it would have completely fallen on right. deaf ears. Um, so there's also a chance that we are missing one another in that capacity. Um, as we also talked about, we have not proved ourselves as a society to be acceptable of acceptable intelligence or demeanor to warrant this extraterrestrial communication or association. Yeah, yep. so they're like, if they're still around in a hundred thousand years, maybe we'll extend a fig leaf. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, um, you guys suck mostly. But right now, you suck. Here are the fun ones, which Ooh. I would like you to chime in on Yay. a little bit. Um, they are on their way. Ooh. Ooh. They have been here or are here and are doing so discreetly, mm-hmm. deliberately. I like that one. Yep. These That's are definitely the favorite. most fun. <laughs> it's like horrifying and fun at the same time. Like they're just like waiting to be like, you see me. And then they'll pop out and murder me. Take, which, taking us down from the inside. Yes. Maybe. But I kind of uh, like it. Maybe there is something, uh, you know, about, you know, remembering signs rules. Maybe they don't like water. Mm-hmm. Maybe there is something that we could possibly do in response to their being here, and therefore they are trying to. Uh, this is some Illuminati shit here. Yeah. But they're they're taking us down from the inside. They are infiltrating top government positions, oh, synchronizing one, synchronizing themselves around the globe, and are going to take us down from the inside. Well, now I definitely believe that that one is true because look at the leaders of the world. <laughs> right? No shit. Or maybe this is uh, faculty rules and they're going to start off as uh, school teachers at a public that's high school. That's true. And then all of a sudden they turn into a big slimy thing that's yeah. going to eat me. Also certainly plausible. Um, I don't know why you laughed when you said that, but... So, can I keep going? Have yes, I been, have no, I been talking no. for too this long? This is your Remember, episode, is your Joe. Thing. Don't you dare stop. I mean, I'm a guest on the episode. I don't know if it's my episode. That means so hot. I am incredibly sweaty. I right am now. drenched in sweat. I feel like I've jumped. Oh, yeah. so cool. I am. Uh, I am earning this one. Um, okay. Well, let's say hypothetically, let's say that we receive a message. Okay. Okay. I'm in. I'm into it. How do we respond? We pee. We pee. First things first. Take a leak. Take a leak. Take a leak in our pants. Um, it's a, it's an important question. Yeah. Because how, I mean, wh- what do we use to communicate? Right. I guess it would depend on how they communicated with us, right? It would depend if on how. If it was a close encounter situation where they were like, boop, boop, boop. Right. Yeah, we're in let's, arrival. Like, she okay. had to learn their let's, language. Let's say that it is something that we can not decipher. So we have no idea what the intent is. Oh God! But it is. But is. Oh, it is but God. it is one hundred percent an attempt to Talk communicate to us. with but, us. But you don't know if it's saying like, "Hi there, my name is Sam," or I'm about to you have destroy you. You have you have thirty right. days to lay down your arms. How and... would we decipher? Is there someone that exists truly, like Amy Adams and Arrival, that could come and say, "Well, this sound was this, and this looks like this letter," so I think it could mean this. Is she a real person? I would say probably <laughs> not. Damn it, I loved her job. I feel Here's, like you have an answer for us. Go on. Okay. I have I don't have an answer. I have plausible answers. Okay. Um first of all, I want to mention that when asked this same question, how do we respond? Stephen Hawking himself said we shouldn't. Oh. 
So there you have one of the most brilliant minds to have ever walked the face of the earth. Telling us not to respond. Who specializes in astronomy and astrophysics. Great. Who says, don't respond because the odds of that civilization communicating for malevolent purposes is Why? more likely than for, given who we are as a species. He says that that direct communication, establishing a link and possibly giving them a greater homing device of our exact location is a bad idea. Uh, being, so you're being, saying that they could just be blasting out a message to whomever hey, in the hall. Hey, who's like, out there? Can hey, can anyone hear us? Can anyone hear us? Oh, you can hear us? We'll be right there. Yeah. Especially yeah. considering the fact that they are technologically advanced enough to reach out to us from exactly. wherever they are. Who knows what which they means have. they are more technologically advanced than we are. And we also live on a resource and mineral rich planet. Oh my gosh. For a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> For a little bit. For a little bit. <laughs> For a little bit. But we still have a lot of, you know, there there are still, there's still ore and minerals, if not right. oil, that exists on this planet that it will continue to exist. It could be useful for them, and they would yeah. have the machinery Who to come maybe, maybe, maybe their whole planet lives out. off of carbon. Like, this planet is almost exclusively carbon. Sweet Jesus. So, so that's scary. But let's say, let's say they're not malevolent. Um, the uh, Voyager 1 and 2 spacecraft... Um, which were chaired by uh, Carl Voyager Sagan. Voyager 1, mm -hmm. I believe, is what got the face on Mars, right? Uh, the image? Oh, I think you're right, actually. Yeah. Go on. Um, uh, it contains greetings in 55 different languages, uh, as well as hundreds of photographs of Earth. Um, like, this is who we are. This is what our planet looks like. Um, pretty much everybody says that communicating via math mathematics is the most appropriate method. Um, because our language, they have, they, they don't, there's no way for them to translate what any of our words mean. Right. Especially they English. Have, yeah. They have no English definitions. Double entendres and, you know, homonyms and. Especially when we send out a message where we're like, sup y'all. I know. Like, what do I do with that? Exactly. Our language is impossible. Wait, so, so, yeah. That makes me think that it's mathematicians going out making the crop circles and saying, like, read this equation. It's how you come to us. Yeah. There you go. Even though I don't know if a mathematician knows how to bend a cornstalk, but anyway. Good I day. highly doubt Jeb and. and Jeb and Jeb. Jeb and Jeb. <laughs> Jeb and Jeb. Jeb and Jeb, Jeb too. Billy Ray. Jeb and Billy Ray are mathematicians. Um, Go on. Yeah. I'm really sorry for that thing I said. It wasn't very nice. About what? Jeb and Jeb Billy Ray? And Billy Ray. Sorry, Jeb. Jeb and Billy sorry, Billy Ray. Ray. I, know. I hope Jeb Bush is listening. <laughs> that would be that would be the best possible scenario. I'm sure he is. I hope I hope you guys get a really like not angry, but just kind of like disappointed email from Jeb Bush. Jeb Bush. He's like, I'm not like, mad. He's like, look, I understand. I understand that 2016 wasn't the best year for me, but I was still I was still governor of a pretty big state, and I still ran for president. Like, not all Jebs are anyway. Um, so communicating with math um, that just displays our knowledge of the most complex principles that we can decipher and, yeah. our, and our basically our abilities shows them where we are technologically speaking maybe that gives them a better idea of how to communicate with us like hey right. that's like if you had just learned how to speak a language and a native speaker was like flying through that language and you were like whoa 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 uh lo siento pero right. mi español mm, no es no es muy bueno um cámate por favor yeah exactly so um Interesting note, to this point, the communications that have been sent forth to this point are exclusively focused on our positive aspects. The best 
that humankind has to offer while ignoring our struggles as a species virtually wholesale. Um, including what ails us as a species would not only be, according to some very bright people, would not only be a, uh, a more appropriate indicator of where we are at as a species, but it could also be really beneficial to us if we were to say, like, we have war and famine and inequality and we're running out of resources. And then the aliens communicated back like, oh, we were there 13 billion years ago and then sent us an equation. And it was like, here you go. Here's here's the solution to three of your planet's biggest problems. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, just, I mean, we're getting pretty far down the hypothetical rabbit hole here, but... There's so many theories, though. I interesting, love it. Interesting it's stuff. Cool my favorite side. I got one more big thing here. Biggin'. And then I'm going to be done. So I had alluded... Did I do this on air or beforehand? Where I talked about an interesting twist in the search for life. Uh, I think that was off air. Yeah, that was off air. Well, I did it, people listening at home. (laughs) He did. He definitely did. We have an interesting twist. So the gentleman who um, pens this idea, his name is Seth Shostak. He is uh, one of the two senior astronomers for SETI, which, for the record, stands for the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. He is a Princeton graduate. He has a PhD in astrophysics from the California Institute of Technology, he is exceptionally brilliant. He's a smarty. Right. I put that out there just <laughs> to say because this this sounds kind of. I wonder of... if he was valedictorian in high school. Yeah, I yeah I wonder. Oh, oh yeah, he, was. he yeah. Th- you know what? <laughs> yeah, he probably wasn't because he probably dropped out at fourteen to go to Princeton. Actually, okay. that's probably he probably that's didn't probably even probably finish accurate. high school. Yeah, yeah. that's correct. He probably graduated from Princeton when he was seventeen. Oh um, my! So I, I I wanted to put that out there because what I'm about to say it sounds. Kind of science fiction-y. Um, but this is a brilliant person who says that this is a reason for us to expand our search for specifically extraterrestrial intelligence. Okay. Um, beyond the Goldilocks zone. His reasoning behind it is that the likelihood of intelligent life, of life being intelligent enough to send signals to us that we can pick up on it, means that it's likely that they have shed their biological trappings altogether and become a form of machine intelligence. The singularity, essentially. The AI. Yes, exactly. Which is was pretty shocking for me what? to read. Be basically becoming a singular mechanic you know, mechanical, if not biomechanical entity. Okay. Um and will no longer require... Which means they would no longer require things like liquid water right. or oxygen. oxygen. And then they could survive. They would else. basically just need whatever raw materials Human they can... The minerals. Po- yeah, possibly. Oh around the galaxy to, to gradually maybe. repair themselves over time. Here's his reasoning behind it. He cites our own trajectory. He says, think about this. The radio was invented around 1900. The computer was invented in 1945. In 2017, we are currently cheaply manufacturing devices with far greater computing power than that of the human brain. True AI is not far off from our current place in time. We're already dabbling with artificial intelligence to varying degrees of success. He says that true AI, given the exponential increase 
of, you know, technological advancements over time, how things are just kind of snowballing and happening faster and faster. Right. True AI isn't that far off. So that any society that invents a radio so as to communicate will, in short order, invent their successors. And those successors are machines. He says that the AI will interface with the human body for a while, but that eventually humans will go fully digital. You're telling me there's a Terminator planet? Um, There might be. Probably even scarier than a Terminator planet. Because a Terminator planet is still very, very much so in the infancy of its existence. There is a possibility of take a Terminator planet and then have it exist for a million years. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, no. It, the, the, the consciousness, it's important. These aren't just purely machines. The consciousness is still... It's like a human consciousness. It's still inherently... Uploaded. It's still... Yeah, it's, 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 it's still at least derived from a human consciousness. Yeah. So while it might cease to be human as we know it, it's, it's, it's in where they are is an evolutionary advancement and progression from human intelligence. From something at least resembling human intelligence. Right. Um, so when you think about why they would do that, it's, it's basically, you know, A, there's Terminator rules where, you know, the, the successors eventually recognize their inventors for the blight that they are. I mean, that's Terminator, that's Matrix, that's mm-hmm. straight science fiction stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, you know, grounded in a considerable amount of reality. Yeah. Um, and it's also the impetus to even go down that road is essentially ensuring the the the, the longevity of 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 mankind of the human race. Basically, having a human consciousness that is not bound by the current laws of life right yeah it's not bound to you get a hundred years or less you get a hundred years and then you die because because you can compute things faster you just yeah exactly so um in terms of you know he gave an analogy uh show stack that is for the, the ai interface ditching the uh human body altogether he says it's like you build a four cylinder engine you put it in a horse to get a faster horse, and pretty soon you just say, let's just get rid of the horse and build a Maserati. Mm. Right. Yeah. So the human's machine selves will get smarter and more capable incredibly quickly. Humanity's present intelligence is the result of, you know, four billion years of Darwinian evolution, mm-hmm. which uses random variation as its raw material, and it's not directed toward any particular goal. Um, but the evolution of machine intelligence will be engineered and efficient and singularly focused. Right. I mean, it already is. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So having said that, if that is an idea that one of the most brilliant astrophysicists in the world has for a way that intelligent life can exist, Uh and if they are not bound by the laws of common life, as you had alluded to before. We're searching for things that are like us. Right. um, Because that's our most likely place to find it. Mm -hmm. But that's not... And and Shostak is not saying that we should stop looking at planets with liquid life. But he's saying, look at this other option that makes total sense. He says that that's the most likely place to find life. He says the most likely place to find intelligent life is at places... Um, that are just completely ripe with energy 
and minerals, not places that have liquid water. He says the center of galaxies as being another great place that we should be looking for intelligent life. So basically, did you see the movie Edge of Tomorrow? Yes. So this is basically what, he, what Seth, Seth Shostak is talking about is basically Edge of Tomorrow. Because you remember they're machines right. that they are fighting, but they are controlled by a singularity. There right. is, you know, there is a common intelligent singularity that is directing all of these yes. machines. That these machines are basically being told what to do by. That's basically what this okay. guy is is getting at. That makes sense. Autonomous machines with an intelligent consciousness. So he says to look to, you know, centers of galaxies, places in the sky that connect to places where there's a lot of energy. Um, yeah. So that's pretty cool. creepy. That's yeah. really fascinating. And that's yeah. not even getting into, you know, like life forms that we wouldn't even recognize, like sentient gas. Yeah. Like gaseous organisms that are sentient, a yeah. la, a la Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. Right. Um, Fart, as voiced by uh, Jermaine Clements. <laughs> Who is one mean, of my favorite yes, humans on the Excellent stuff. Um, yeah, well, that's that's one thing that I was saying is, you know, so many scientists, and I'm not saying they're wrong, they're so much smarter than me, but, you know, they're, they're focusing on, like, we couldn't exist on this planet, so nothing can. Right. And it's like, well, no. Like, no, that's not it's, I feel like it's very uh, silly and narcissistic to think that every single form of life in the universe is to going to be... Anything yes. like us. Mm-hmm. That's like I said. That's that's where that's where they're looking for intelligent life. They have right. they've already like I said with the ice planets. Yeah, they're not no, looking for life. they're not looking for right, humanoids. Right, right, they're not yeah. looking for intelligent life. They're they're literally just looking yeah. for some form of life. Well, but even so, even looking for intelligent life, it still seems like they should be able to open their minds a little further to say, oh, maybe they're not just like us. But yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. Like when they were talking about Mars, and they were like, there wouldn't be any fossils. Um, of, like, larger organisms because only microbes could exist on Mars. It's like, yeah, if you take Earth beings... Earth laws. And Earth laws. But what if there's an, you know, in another, you know, 10 billion years ago, what if there was a dust monster that lived on Mars and well, it survived on dust? I will but say... he have yeah. bones? I will say... Maybe. Dust will... monster with bones. Dust monster with bones. <laughs> Exactly. No, but I'm just saying, like, you're taking what we know about us, our planet, and the minerals and the right. gases that we have discovered in our solar right. system. I will say two things about that. One, I don't think it's quite so much a matter of their refusal to believe that it could happen as it is they have a finite amount of resources, both in terms of capital and human resources. So, in an effort to streamline everything and give themselves the best chance they're they're narrowing it down by the the most likely probables probabilities um but also as we see throughout time um new discoveries scientists scientists are adamant that we have proved this this is how this is until the moment when they are disproven Yes. It, it, it continuously happens. It always amazes me that anyone in the scientific community can speak on such, on no uncertain terms about anything, given the track record of it just being a constantly evolving and changing landscape. Yeah. Right? Everybody knows exactly how things work 
until someone definitively proves them wrong. Yeah. Until it's like, surprise, yep. this yeah. exists Yeah, well, because that's the thing, is you're, you're going off the idea that our table of elements, that those are the only elements in the universe. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that is just not Look case. at Galileo. <laughs> Ga- Galileo is one of, quite literally, one of the most brilliant people who has, who has ever walked the face of this earth. Uh-huh. He was coming up with shit. Hundreds of years before anybody else even thought to ask these questions. Uh-huh. And he was excommunicated by the church. Yeah. He was basically, as far as the Catholic Church was concerned, he was kicked out of the country that he lived in and was condemned to hell. Because yeah. he was like, hey guys, we're not the center of the solar system. Mm-hmm. Sorry yep. about it. So, eventually, things come to light. Yeah. That's right. Probably not in our lifetime. But Probably not. But, but Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson himself said that he believes that within 50 years we will have found some form of extraterrestrial life somewhere else, most likely of the microbial form. And that's exciting. Which suggests that, you know, perhaps, perhaps that's where we come from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A passing asteroid from said... Yeah. Exactly. Whether or not, whether or not we... by the heat of entering our uh, atmosphere. Yeah, exactly. Some microbial organisms from some planet that had been destroyed one way or another, hurling through space for however long. You know, I mean, we already know of, what are they called? The little bears? Gummy bears? They're not gummy bears. But they're, they're, tiny, mi- they're, they're tiny microbial organisms oh. that can survive... Uh, the vacuum of space and are, you know, they basically go into hibernation through, you know, in in a deep speed, in a deep freeze rather in in space. And then when coming back into our atmosphere, they heat up and they come back to life and they're totally fine. Mm -hmm. That is a a, a pretty logical, maybe even likely explanation for how life began, not only on this planet, but how life begins on all planets. Right. How things just travel it's just from pollinating. Basically, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's intergalactic pollen. Intergalactic well, planetary. What I'm going to talk about is they're here already. Excellent. <laughs> oh my! God. Enough no, science. Enough science. Enough of this jibber jabber. Um, Let's talk about how they're here they're and here. ready. They're queer. They're queer. Ready to party. Ready to party. Um, no. So what I wanted to talk about last time. Uh, is Men in Black, which we did sing a little bit. We sang it, we but sang we didn't talk it, about it We did not much. get to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, didn't you know every word, Joe? Yeah. I know pretty Most much every word to the to the, to the Men in Black song. Do yes. you also know the dance? No. Mm. We have to dance at the end of this. We should choreograph something. I disagree. Just for, like, us. Just for us just in like, this room, not to show the world. Just on our downtime? Yeah. Okay, I'm done. Okay. Cool, there cool, we cool, go. Cool. So, the men in black. So, <laughs> Joe's wiping. I'm, I'm so hot. It's so hot in this couch. Um, so, the first reported men in black sighting took place in 1947. It was called the Maury Island Incident. Uh, a man named Harold Dahl claims that he saw six saucer-like objects in June of that year on Maury Island in Washington. The craft supposedly dropped molten hot debris that killed his dog and burned his son. Soon after they left the hospital, Dahl was visited by a man in a black suit driving a Buick. Oh. There you go. Who invited him to eat breakfast at a nearby diner to go over the details of the event. 
of which he had told no one about except the doctor who treated his son's burns. Mm -hmm. After sharing his story, Dahl was warned that bad things would happen to him and his family if he told anyone about the incident. Um, So there have been hundreds of reports since taking place after UFO sightings, and in some cases even before the sightings have been reported to anybody. Right. The men in black are rumored to be a part of a secret U.S. government agency who ask questions and give no answers. They seem to only target civilians who claim to have been abducted by extraterrestrials, seen UFOs, or are actively researching alien life. Reports suggest that they, that men in black, arrive out of the blue, flash security cards, and ask questions about the sightings, again, sometimes before they were even reported. They are known to demand silence regarding the sighting and confiscate any materials related to aliens or UFOs. And then they erase people's memories. And then supposedly they erase people's memories with their uh, flashy things. Yeah, I was like, what's that thing called? They're just like, ch Now there are hundreds of Men in Black reports, but I chose a couple that were reported by actual, like, credible sources. Uh Uh-huh. Good. Dr. Albert Bender... Uh, Dr. Albert K. Bender was an American citizen who served in the United States Air Force during World War II, and he's basically my dream human. Um, He was born in 1921 in Pennsylvania. Uh, When he was a kid, he was drawn to the supernatural. He decorated his childhood bedroom with haunted house decorations and horror movie scenes. (gasps) He is He's a dream! Uh, He's a dream. He was highly intelligent. When he was 18, he was featured in a newspaper article for writing to people all over the world. He had correspondence in Peru, England, Romania, and Japan, each letter being 20 pages long. His goal was to collect things from different countries, like coins and sand. Uh, In high school, he was vice president of the American Youth League. In his 20s, he kept a journal full of spook plays, which as far as I can tell are horror plays. (laughs) Spook plays. He was a dental technician in World War II and later transferred to Langley, Virginia, where he worked as a clerk for the dental center, and he was also an editor for an army newspaper at Langley. Okay. So, it was at Langley that he founded, uh, in 1952, the International Flying Saucer Bureau. And it was a huge success. Uh, He was basically just gathering all this information from all over the world, Mm -hmm. from different correspondents in different countries, and just basically compiling information. Mm -hmm. But he mysteriously shut it down. Even though it was a huge success, he mysteriously shut it down only a year later. He had claimed his research was about to yield serious evidence. He was about to unveil a lengthy paper that would prove the U.S. government had covered up proof of UFOs. He planned to publish his findings with the International Flying Saucer Bureau and in a magazine called Space Review, which is now a free online publication about space exploration and development. So not about aliens, it's just about space. Mm -hmm. Until he was visited by three men, all dressed in black. They came to his home and warned him against pursuing the topic of UFOs any further. He claimed that he thinks part of the conversation they had was done telepathically and that they shared with him the origin of UFOs. After the visit, Bender became ill. He didn't eat for three days. Bender was encouraged by his colleagues to share what he had seen with other UFO investigators, but he refused. He suffered from frequent headaches after the three men visited him, and his co-workers reported that he seemed very scared. He shut down all of his research and the Flying Saucer Bureau. He did not return to it. Um, Many people that knew him claimed that he was a changed man after the encounter. His later works were completely rambling. They were almost unreadable. And he seemed to live his life in constant anxiety and fear. 
He and his uh, wife reported receiving mysterious phone calls and unending problems with their phone lines, no matter how often they changed numbers or moved until the end of his life in 2002. Wow. Whoa. So whatever happened to him... And he didn't really he didn't really give details of the the visit until much later in his life, because uh-huh. uh, a man, a close friend and colleague of his, wrote a book called "They Knew Too Much About." Uh, I think it was like they knew too much about UFOs or something is what it was called. Okay. When he actually finally unveiled like what happened on this visit with these men. Ah, uh, interesting. Uh, but he. I mean, out of the blue, shut down this successful flying right, saucer that's thing. That's the craziest thing. Stopped doing research on UFOs. Uh, and yeah, he and his wife reported that for the rest of his life, he got strange phone calls and like interruptions in their phone lines and stuff as if they were tapped. Yeah. Oh my God. So something spooked him enough said, to give up on his life, life's work. Yeah. Right. Um, so a that's year, uh, one year after it had kind of come to fruition. Yeah. And right before he was about to unveil this enormous work that he'd been working on. They so that's for sure told him to shut it down. <laughs> yeah, whoever it was. Whether it may be. Um, another one, the Jim Templeton photo. Have you, do you guys remember this picture? It sounds familiar. It's the little girl uh, in the picture with what looks like a cosmonaut behind yes. her. Okay. Um, so the photo itself, I'll post it on the site. Yeah, I don't know this photo. Really? Really. I'll show it to you. Okay. So the photo itself was taken in 1964 by Jim Templeton, uh, who was a fireman, photographer, and local historian. He had taken a photo of his daughter while visiting Solway Firth, which is on the border of England and Scotland, I believe. Uh, or it's a, it's a Firth. Do you know what a Firth is? I don't. I didn't either. I know what a Colin Firth is. Hey, me too. It's actually he just Colin them. Firth. He just sits out there. He Hello. sits out there and you say, there's the Firth. I'm, I'm Colin Firth. <laughs> Yes, it's, it's quite quite beautiful this time of year. Well. <laughs> uh, a Firth is like uh, I guess it's some sort of like uh, uh, it's there's like it's like a beach, uh, an arm of the sea. Oh, like an inlet. Yeah, a narrow inlet of the sea. Yeah, there so that's go. what a Firth is. Anyways, that has nothing to do. Neither with here nor there. Like. Nothing to do with anything. <clears throat> Uh, behind his daughter in the photograph is a strange figure that looks like it's wearing some sort of space suit. Jim insists that no one else was present when the photograph was taken except for his wife, who looks nothing like the figure in the picture. picture. She had uh, longer black hair and a blue dress on, and this figure is, like, all white with space what looks like no hair at all, like it's bald, or like it has some sort of, like, space hat Hmm. On. Interesting. Kodak verified that the film was authentic and the Templeton's strange story went public. Not long after, this is where it gets interesting, he was visited by two quote-unquote government agents who referred to themselves as number nine and number ten. No doubt the inspiration for the Men in Black movies, Agent K and Agent J. They demanded to see the site where the photo was taken and questioned Templeton about the event. He took them out to this site to show them exactly where he took the photograph. Uh, He said the questions were very strange, apart from the expected ones like where it happened or if anyone else was uh, witnessed it or anything like that. They also wanted to know about the weather conditions and if uh, about the behavior of the animals in the area. 
Templeton did admit that the domestic animals in the area acted strangely on the day in question, skittish, huddling together, etc. At this point, the men became much more hostile towards Templeton and started questioning the validity of his story. Templeton explained that he was telling the truth as far as he knew and that he had just taken a strange picture. He didn't want anything from it. The men headed back to their cars and drove off, leaving Jim to find his own way home, and he never saw him again. So they literally left him there. Huh. He had to like, walk into town. Um, however, something interesting to note, a missile launch uh, at the Woomera Test Range in South Australia was aborted the same day, within the same like couple hours, because the figures of two large men were seen on the firing range. And when the Australian technicians saw the Templeton's photograph in a newspaper... Uh, they said that those figures were the exact same things that Whoa. they saw on their testing range. Oh, wow. So that's kind of interesting. Obviously, yeah. there are a ton of people debunking the picture, even though the actual photograph has been proved to be authentic. And the launch actually was aborted because of the the men, quote-unquote men, on the firing range. Uh-huh. Um, people are saying that the figure behind the little girl is actually his wife and that it's overexposed which could be i guess but if she was overexposed other things in the picture should have been well overexposed. yeah i mean you you already said the kodak verified it right yeah i really i if that's the case and i couldn't care less what any you know tom dick and jane have to say <laughs> about the validity of the photo yeah if kodak says it's legit then it's fucking legit yeah um i read message boards most people don't deserve any attention. I know. So yeah, some people think it's a toy being hung behind the girl's head. What if it's like a... What, what if... You, what, shut the fuck up. Yeah, yeah, what if... What if you went away forever? Right. <laughs> what if that? Um, what if you did? So this one is about a guy shooting an alien. Ooh! Okay. Paul Miller Bring and it. three others were returning home from a hunting trip in November in 1961 when they saw what they described as a luminous silo hovering in the sky and land in a nearby field. After disappearing and reappearing in front of them, so they were immediately freaked out, the silo appeared to open up and two humanoids emerged from within it. Panicked, Paul Miller aimed at them and fired his rifle apparently injuring one of them and also giving away their position. Mm -hmm. Uh, The foreman fled, and after they had made it a mile or two down the road, they realized that it was now three hours later than when they first encountered the craft, which is not at all how long they had been witnessing this event take place. Uh, The next day, Paul went to work as usual. Uh, He worked for the United States Air Force, so not, like, Jeb. Not working on the phone. Yes. Uh, Three men in black suits showed up uh, pretty much as soon as he got to work. They claimed to be government officials and went on to ask him about the UFO incident, even though he hadn't told anyone about it yet. The only people that knew about it were the three guys that were with him. Uh, He said that they told him that they had his file, and he didn't even know what that meant, and that his encounter would be best forgotten. He said, he also said, they seemed to know everything about me, where I worked, what I did there, my name, the name of my family members... They also asked questions about his experiences as if they already knew the answers to them. Weird. So that's very strange. Yes. Um, so those are three stories. Like I said, there's hundreds of stories of people claiming that the men in black have shut down their research or, you know. Actively, actively discouraged them in some them. capacity. Yeah. yeah. Something that's really interesting, though, that I've uh, read uh, about the stories 
of the men in black are some of the descriptions that people have given them. Uh, they're almost always dressed in black or gray suits. This one's weird. No visible hair. Not only on the top of their heads, but also have been reported as having no eyebrows, eyelashes, and upon shaking hands, even having, like, extraordinary smooth hands as if there's no hair on their body at all. They're also tall, aren't they? Very tall. Yep. How weird to have someone approach you with no eyebrows. What the fuck? So, So several people have also reported that it looked like the men were wearing lipstick, but had no lips. Okay. As if they painted on lips to make themselves look more human. Yep. So there's a major theory that the men in black aren't men at all, that they're some sort of humanoid extraterrestrial. Exactly. Which would explain how they're able to appear out of, like, nowhere and know about UFO and alien sightings before the, like, victim has any time to even talk about it with them. Exactly. And as as Homeboy there with his his own little... uh, newsletter or whatever, uh, you know, seemingly communicating telepathically. Yes. Yeah, because they've said that there's been reports of them tele- <coughs> uh, communicating telepathically, but not just his, but several reports. There have also been reports of them being able to, like there was one report of uh, the men showing up after a UFO encounter, an uh, extraterrestrial encounter, and uh, they knew like how much change this guy had in his pocket. And they said, pull out the coins, and they pulled out two coins and gave him one of the coins, and the men in black made the coin disappear in his hand. He was like, that coin's not on this plane anymore, is what he told this guy. What? Yeah, so, like, there's all kinds of reports that, like, they're not actually men at all. Which actually leads, lends a lot of, a lot of credence to the government not knowing anything about it, Uh because they are not actually part of the government. Right. It, it, it's more, but be- that's more believable to me than the men in black being some clandestine government agency because I see the way that our government functions and I am not the least bit encouraged in their ability to keep something like this under wraps. I well, agree. Now that we say that, oh, this is interesting. Um, something else I discovered that is crazy hidden among the avalanche of documents leaked by Edward Snowden. Yep were images from a PowerPoint presentation by GCHQ, which is Government Communication Headquarters, entitled The Art of Deception, Training for a New Generation of Online Online Covert Operations. Images on the PowerPoint included camouflaged moths, inflatable tanks, women in burqas, and complex diagrams that read disruption operations and swap the real for the false and vice versa, and one was quoted as saying, people make decision decisions as part of groups. And sandwiched in the middle of the document are three photographs of UFOs. Not real ones, classic fake ones. So there's even a documentary out called Mirage Men about how the U.S. government uses mythology to cover up their advanced technology and knowledge of extraterrestrial life. Uh, it unearths compelling evidence that UFO folklore was actually fabricated by the U.S. government. Yeah, I said that on our last episode. So, uh, this is actually really kind of fucked up. There's a case involving an actual man in black on the, in this documentary, which I want to see. It's called Mirage Man. Yes, please. A formal, former Air Force Special Investigations Officer named Richard Doty, who admits to having infiltrated UFO circles in the government and silenced people who have come forward. Take, for instance, so there was a man named Paul Benowitz, who was a successful electronics entrepreneur from New Mexico. 
1979, he started seeing strange lights in the sky and picking up weird transmissions on his amateur uh, home equipment. The fact that they lived right across the road from Kirtland Air Force Base should have set alarm bells ringing, but Benowitz was convinced that the signals he was receiving were of extraterrestrial origin. Being a good patriot, he contacted the Air Force, who immediately realized that far from eavesdropping on E.T., Benowitz was inadvertently eavesdropping on them. So instead of making him stop, though, Doty, this man in black, quote-unquote, and other officers told Benowitz that they were interested in his findings. They encouraged him to dig deeper. Within a few years, he was interpreting alien languages, spotting crashed alien craft in the hills from his home, and sounding the alert for a full-scale invasion. All this time, the investigators were surveilling him, surveilling them. They gave Benowitz computer software that interpreted the signals and even dumped fake props for him to discover. The mania took over his life, and in 1988, his family checked him into a psychiatric facility. But this is documented. Like, this is in the the files that Snowden released. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have this guy, this former Air Force guy, backing up right. these documents. Yeah, it makes, it, it makes complete mm-hmm. sense for a government agency to either, A, deliberately disinform as a means to... Redirect. As a means to direct you away from things that they don't want you to see. Right. You know, I mean... I mean that, they do that all the time. That's, right now. that's happening now. That's yeah. what, what do you Every think the day. president's tweets are. That's exactly. exactly what that is. Distraction. Distraction. Yeah. Keep you distracted with this while we instead do this. Yeah. It doesn't matter... Let me take away your... Cla- yeah, your cla- clandestine or not, it's, hey, look over here while we do this over here. Yeah. Exactly. Or, like I said on the last episode of the podcast introducing the concept of aliens and extraterrestrials to then pretend to cover them up in the midst of the Cold War as a means to make your government look all more all-knowing and more powerful than and it they, actually they is. Actually are. If they have the power to to bury something this large, then outside powers will think that they have they have, are doing a much better job of having their shit together than they yeah. actually are. Right. Yeah, and there's a ton more like this. The mysterious cattle mutilations in the 70s in New Mexico turned out to be uh, officials investigating radiation in livestock. They had conducted an ill-advised experiment in underground nuclear fracking, which sounds really dangerous. Test pilots for military experimental silent helicopters admit to attaching flashing lights to their craft to fool civilians. There's all kinds of shit. So yeah, the question is why. I think you're... Your why is probably the which one? makes sense. The to make themselves look a little bit more on top of things than mm-hmm. they actually are. If we know about this. Than they We're already are. on yeah. it. Yeah, to like fool you into thinking this thing, yes. and then to be like, no, that was you know weather. Balloon. No, it was a weather balloon. <laughs> exactly, and make you drive yourself crazy trying to find yes. a truth that they have not only you know come up with, but have mm-hmm. you know. everything being entirely fabricated. But, and, so, okay. But if you want to take it in the other direction, that we have discovered extraterrestrial life, that they have communicated with us, that they have been here, whatever, whatever, what better way of throwing off skeptics, like throwing them off the scent, than presenting false UFOs, and then obviously being able to prove that they were fake. Yeah, exactly. Like we said, like, like, like we said with crop circles, like exactly. Crop circles, it's like there's ninety percent of crop circles that we can absolutely prove were fake. They yes, were hoaxes. These were not so real. the other ten percent, if you're obviously a, they're they're if you know, you're yeah if you're in a, fake too. Yeah, if you're in a court of law, 
and you have a witness on the stand, and you can discredit one aspect of, of their story, then you discredit their entire story. Yeah, and it's the same, it's the same exact thing. If yeah. you can, if you can show me a hoax in an area that I am investigating, you have just cast doubt on the entire investigation. Yeah, that's exactly it's right. It's the same thing with paranormal investigations. Yes. It all ties together. Um, yeah. If you, I when mean, one thing is a fake. When one thing is a fake, it, 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 yeah, it ruins the rest of the evidence for everybody else. I've got to say, though, I, my favorite from, from an entertainment and from an ooh, spooky kind of standpoint is the idea of the men in black not being human. Yeah. yeah. That's my favorite. No, I love I, that. And I, I never even that. thought of that. Because that's, that sure that's a rabbit hole. a government hole. extension. Yeah. Yeah, and I always did, too. I remember reading about the men in black when I was, like, eight or nine, when I was reading about UFOs and Foo Fighters and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, and just super into it. Um, the idea that they are, like I said, extraterrestrials walking amongst us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In disguise. In disguise. It infiltrating highest levels of government, masquerading well, as government officials, also, misdirecting, uh-huh. yeah. and also, also using our own citizens to spy on the military. Yes. Exactly. What Love were you saying? So cool. Oh, no, I was thinking also, um... You know, the, the images that they found of, like, uh, Obama's CIA staff being part lizard. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. stuff like that, where it's, like, infiltrating. Oh, man, Alex Jones. Yeah. Alex Jones just having a fucking field day with the with the frogmen. I can't believe that he's not a fan of the podcast. Alex Jones? Yeah. should reach out to Alex Jones. I should. Like, please that's a, that's endorse our podcast. Because you would be like, Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones? You and I might not have... A whole bunch of common ground. But we have But one thing have... we can both agree on is that the truth is out there. Am I right or am I right? And he'd be like, You're goddamn you're goddamn fucking right! I the truth I, I saw them, they were frog people, and oh god, it was horrible. Yeah. That would be exactly how that was my Alex Jones impression. So extreme. Yeah, that was well, a really intense seen Alex, yeah, yeah, Alex yeah. Jones. Yeah, he's a he's a nightmare person, slash my dream. So he's slash, a nightmare person, slash we probably write about a whole bunch of shit. <laughs> he yeah. might be Alex Jones is a whole bunch of crazy that also is probably right about a couple things. A couple yeah. things. A couple really big things. Um we're sweating to death, we're melting. Does anyone have any closing Comments, questions, concerns, theories. I like aliens. I Lauren likes aliens. I had I had even more fun this episode than I did the first time. Oh, good. Really? See, that was actually a good closing statement. Mine fucking sucked. Thanks, Joe. No, I I look forward to maybe maybe in another twenty episodes I can come back around for part three. Oh, one hundred percent. Because I feel like we're still just scratching the surface. (laughs) Oh, guys, we can dive so much deeper. I might not, as I as I said with my ghost story at the beginning, um, I'm not I'm not quite as spooktastic as as Ashley and Lauren. But when it comes to aliens, yeah, you get he's all about it. it. You're so passionate about it, which makes it so much fun. I get super into it. Your section of today was so much fun because you had all this really well researched information, and you were so passionate about it while you were talking about it. And I'm sure. Our I love listeners it. appreciate it. I hope so. I hope that it wasn't too 
Sciency. I no. hope that it. No, I hope we, that it was. We raised her hand a couple times to couple clarify times. a couple yeah, okay. little. And you made it interesting. And honestly, times. we got great feedback on episode two. So many people mm. were like, "Wow, Joe had so yes. much knowledge. You was so much yes. fun." Yes. yes. Fan yes. favorite. And and I'm I'm, I'm happy to it. happy to bring a little hard science to the table. Yes, please do because Ashley and I are just like aliens are real, and I saw one. And then you come in and no you're like, doubt, actually, no ladies, doubt, no relax doubt. for a second. Actually, ladies, here's the possibility. No, 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 no. Happy to bring some hard science. Um, so anyways, that's all the time we have today for Keep It Weird. Thank you, Joe. Hey, thank you. Back. What a blast. For coming back on the show yeah. slash coming into the living room. Um, do you have anything that you want to plug? Like follow your uh, Twitter. Joe has a Twitter, <laughs> but you will only... You know what? I feel like... If you added some alien stuff into your Twitter, <laughs> you get some more you followers. Get more fo- I know I you're will. a hockey writer, I and will. like your yeah. Twitter's all hockey, and I gotta, maybe aliens would be. I gotta find a way to maybe maybe put some feelers out there to start my first extraterrestrial hockey league. Yes. Um, but I guess I mean it's ice planets. It ice, seems a little ice, ice planets, ice hockey. You know, we could have the uh, the Enceladus earthquakes as one of our yes. founding teams. <laughs> Um, yeah, on the off chance that you're listening to this and you also like hockey. Yeah. Uh, I mean, can... I'm on this podcast and I like hockey. All right. So well, then you should the follow me on Twitter. <laughs> uh, on tw- I, have, I have links to all of my stuff that's, uh, that goes up on Bleacher Report and uh, the Hockey Writers. And uh, so if you want to get the links to that jive, you can just follow me on Twitter at OaksJoe, O-C-H-S-J-O-E. Oaks Joe. Oaks Joe. Or if you don't do Twitter and you want to you want to read my stuff anyway, you could just Google search Joe Oaks the Hockey Writers. And hey. there I am. There he is. And there he appears. You should tweet out something that's like so and so won the Stanley Cup and also is Sidney Crosby a lizard person. <laughs> and, and also then... <laughs> Yeah, and also Sidney Crosby is an alien. Is an alien. <laughs> he and is then part of a larger government conspiracy. And people will probably want to chat with you about yeah. it. It's so. true. I will say that Sidney Crosby's lips do look drawn on. They do. They do not look real. No, they don't. They way, don't. way too voluptuous I so, to be a man's true. lips. I have nothing to add to this conversation because I Sidney Crosby could be in this room and I wouldn't know. If You would know because he would be the guy that okay, I was on top of. what are you of. about to say? He would be the guy that I was on top of raining blows on And I would be trying to sleep That's, with him. So yeah. <laughs> Lord, Lord would be trying to have sex with him and I would be trying to punch him in the nose. It would be very confused. Things are getting very weird in here. I think our brains are melting. Yeah, I think so. Oh my gosh, Um, I've never been sweatier. Join us next week when Lauren and I are going to chat about unusual crimes, which will probably mostly take place in Florida. Uh, We've done done a little bit of research on every single thing. We skimmed the surface and it was like Tampa, Orlando. Uh, Florida. Florida. America's nutsack. I was going to say America's armpit. America's America's nutsack. Um, uh, No offense if you live in Florida. Uh, And if you're thinking about getting into our first video episode, donate $15 to our Patreon, we are recording that very soon, like tonight soon. So, yep, like in uh, an hour. like in two hours. How exciting uh, is that? <laughs> visit our Patreon page, www.patreon.com/slash Keep It Weird Podcast. You can donate as little as one dollar a month to help us achieve our dreams of going to spooky places and living a creepy life. Please, uh, five dollars and up patrons will get extra goodies along with the weekly episodes. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Keep It Weirdcast and our Facebook page Keep It Weird. Uh, Joe, what's our sign off this week? Ooh, sign off. Um, 
the truth is out there. Ooh, mysterious. I liked it. I do like it. Because it... You kind of turn, like turn, turn, like turn you on a little bit? Yeah, like yeah. Fox Mulder. A little Fox Mulder action? Yeah. Yeah. I'm super uncomfortable. So oh, we'll sorry, see you guys line, later. Sorry, keep it keep weird. It weird. Bye. Every time my voice has ever been recorded, I've always been like, Joe, you need to project more. And then I listen to it and it sounds like I'm screaming. So. <laughs> Good guys dressed in black. Remember that. Just in case we have a face to face to make contact. The title held by me. M-I-B. It's what you think you saw you did not see.